difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gonna fight back. Yeah, we breaking chains over here. And we're back once again, only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Last Call YouTube channel. Now, joining me here on location, uh, she's going to be fighting hopefully soon in a, well, it was supposed to be in the Hammerstein Ballroom. That fight now has been uh, put on the, uh, basically been keeled off thanks to COVID. Thank you, COVID, again. So she'll be looking to take her talents hopefully in January. We're going to find out who, hopefully when, especially in well, hopefully she'll be able to enjoy at least the holidays. I give you undefeated the United States top heavyweight female in the world. I give you Danielle Perkins. Uh, Danielle, I'll start off here with how much is that? I know you're in training. I know it. You know you're, the good part is you get to you know spend time with the family for the holidays and relax. How much does that piss you off of that? It was going to be you, Hannah Gabriel's big fight in Hammerstein Ballroom, December second. All of a sudden. She gets COVID. Well, it's like, okay, we're back to square one. We're now waiting on a fight. Well, I mean, um, I don't think she she did it on purpose. I'm pretty sure she um, is looking for a good fight. So um, I do wish her a speedy recovery. Um, however, the delays have been pretty consistent. Um, but you know, I'm very positive and, you know, I know for a fact that I'm, I'm the mandatory. So this fight is going to happen. Um, and I don't mind, uh, you know, when it's, when the stakes are high like this, I don't mind, uh, waiting just a couple more weeks, uh, to, you know, grab both those belts and come back home. And I'm not saying that you, you are blaming her putting any fault is it just frustrating though where it's like it's it's part, it's part of the world part of you know of a new era but it's still just frustrating when it, it sets back everything so all of a sudden now you know and i tell this to people who don't really follow boxing you don't fight you don't get paid so it's you spent money on training camp you spent money on sparring partners you you know we're giving up a lot of things here you're cutting weight now all of a sudden it's like oh okay well this thing just you know got you know, kill, you know, basically the whole thing fell apart and you're going, oh, crap, I have no money. This kind of sucks. <laughs> it does. It sucks. Um, I, I'll, I'll be very honest with you that uh, uh, my heart was broken when I got the phone call. Um, and, and, and it is upsetting. Um, the reset of, you know, um, tapering back, the reset of training camp, the extension of training camp. And of course, I mean, you don't fight, you don't get paid. So um, a lot of time and energy has gone into the preparation of this fight. I mean, originally we were supposed to fight October 5th, then it got pushed to November 9th, then it was pushed to November 19th. Um, and then this date, we were just submitting uh, physicals and getting all the paperwork together for December 2nd. And um, she tested positive for COVID. So um it's very frustrating and it's tiring if, if i'm going to be very honest i i want to i want to fight <laughs> let's talk about your last fight you wanica harrison it was in dort federal events center in flint michigan uh unanimous decision victory you win eight rounds what went right 
Did anything go wrong? And what was that like, you know, going that, you know, for the first time, those eight rounds and, you know, being having to, you know, some maybe change maybe the, the way you fight or the way you, uh, you know, attack during fights because it's eight rounds. It's no longer, you know, a four round fight or a five round fight. It's eight rounds. And you got to go, okay, crap. I don't want to gas out round, round six or round seven. Well, yeah, it, um, it actually, the, the jump from, um, I had a, I had a fight in, in Los Angeles on Ring City that was uh, scheduled for six, but we went with five. Um, and the beauty of that is that it was outside, so it wasn't as, as hot. <laughs> um, and when you go on early in the show, the lights aren't as bright, but uh, being the co-main event, it was pretty hot um towards uh the second half of, of the fight against monica harrison which in my mind i was like all right i'm gonna start training in a gym with no air conditioning because this has to be something that i normally get that that's normal that i do feel extremely hot during training so um that's the that's something that we changed immediately uh then um I, my punch output my punch output um in the first four rounds was uh, excessive. I didn't mean, I didn't even throw that many punches. Uh, I should have, you know, picked up my punch count from around four to eight. Um, and I've been watching a lot of Earl Spence. Um, I like the way he paces into a fight and the timing. Um, so that's another thing that we changed. I think I didn't get hit. I think she landed maybe 10 punches. Uh, but um that was part of uh the plan was originally we came into that fight was not to get touched so a couple of things that i i put in my um to-do list after that fight to make some real changes in, in the way that i fight so um i was i mean i won yes but was i satisfied i, I feel like my performance could have been a lot better but i'm looking forward to to showcase in that uh, in the next fight for sure. Well, how much did and we'll go to so many questions I have in this fight, but first we'll, we'll start off with the pacing here and everything. How, how tough is it or, or Maddie is it mentally for you that you're still fighting two minutes? The guys mm -hmm. are fighting three minute round, you know, three minute rounds. Women's MMA are fighting five minute, you know, round, you know, five minute rounds, you know, is there is equality in MMA versus, you know, the men's are, have been doing this for a long time. And yet, you, I know the ladies have been going, we want three minutes. Give us three minutes. God damn. It's like, no, we still need to think about it. Let's marry. <laughs> and it's like, motherfuckers, just give us the three goddamn minutes here. How much does that frustrate you when you just want equality? And yet it's still like, you know, this sport can't even give you that. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was on Team USA, that um, was a pace that I honestly got used to. I enjoy the breakdown of, of having three-minute rounds. Um, and also, you know, you really, like, if you look at uh, a lot of people wouldn't make it through, honestly, the third round with three minutes. I think, like, three minutes really kind of has uh, attrition on the side of a puncher. Uh, so I... I would love to fight three rounds again. I, I mean, three minute rounds. I love three minute rounds. And I think that's something that should be across the board for, for all pro boxers, regardless of gender. Um, but Michaela said it best, you know, uh, equal time, equal pay. So um, there's a couple of things that need to happen in women's boxing. I think that that's coming around. 
um, and people are have their eyes on, on women's boxing, people are coming to watch fights. So, uh, and women are getting on good cards. So the more that happens, the more people are going to be having, you know, an opportunity to use their voice. And I feel like a lot of the champions that hold um, belts now have been on Team USA and are used to fighting in three minutes and they want that time back. Um, and they're going to voice that. So the more champions that come up in, in the ranks who have that pedigree, but also have that marketability are going to have these conversations with the governing bodies to be like, hey, I want, I want to fight three minutes and I'm do that. I'm a champion and, and these are my, um, this is, this is how I want to proceed. So how tough was that fight against Maka Harrison the second time around when she's going for a rematch? She's now mm -hmm. fought you once. You're still, you know, this is still only your, your, you're going to your third professional fight and mm -hmm. she has at least, you know, I'm looking here twice the amount of fights you've had. So she's used to, okay, well, we're going to do, you know, two-minute rounds where, you know, she knows how to, you know, maybe pace yourself, you know, push yourself for a 30-minute burst and then go, okay, well, I know what's going on here. How tough was that that second time around, you know, as you said, where you're fighting somebody who now knows what you're all about. She's not going to be, you know, you can't trick her with new stuff because there's just not much new stuff there yet. And it's two-minute rounds. So it's not like you have the extra minute where you can just pour on the pace get a knockout, get rid of her. It's like, no, two minutes, you can recover quickly. Well, I mean, I think the first fight was my debut, and I, and, um, I don't think that uh, she saw much from me in that first fight. Um, the second fight was really easy. Um, however, she did try hard, um, and – she just wasn't in shape. So I outpaced her from bell to bell every single round. Um, a lot of things that she tried to do, even forward attack, my footwork is, is in, impeccable. So she couldn't really put her hands on me. I, honestly, it's just, um, you know, it was an easy fight. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we have it is Danielle Perkins here on the show. We're talking all things, of course. The fallout from uh, the Gabriel's Perkins, well, no fight now. We're talking her debut and her third win here in her career. We're talking two minutes versus three minute rounds. Let's talk about the big question I ask every fighter What the hell made you get into this sport? It's a brutal sport. You don't get paid much. You have to, you know, literally you know, put your body through the ringer, whether it's weight cutting, sparring, road work. Doing, you know, there's now all of a sudden new uh, strength and conditioning, pro, you know, pro programs. What made you decide to do something where it's like, yeah, I'm going to put my body through hell. I'm going to get beat up here at times and get paid almost nothing for it. But damn it, I still want to do this because I love this sport. I mean, I, I do. I, I love boxing. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn when Mike Tyson was um, the man. And um, I grew up a Tyson fan. I've always loved boxing. Um, although I played college and professional basketball, I have always loved boxing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just ended up being from one thing of me going to the gym and wanting to like hit mitts and learn how to box to having an amateur fight to getting to Team USA to becoming a world champion. It just 
I've only been boxing for six years, um, but I picked up pretty quickly, um, and I love it. I don't, I don't see, um, I can't see boxing not being in my life. Um, it's, I've always thought it's difficult for female fighters because there's always rules you have to follow, and there are unwritten rules. You know, you're mm-hmm. supposed to be ladylike, but you're supposed to be a fighter. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, a fighter, but you, they want you to also look good. They, you know, they want you to be, you know, witty and engaging, but oh, I can't, you know, can't talk too much trash. Nobody likes to see a foul mouth hussy there. <laughs> How frustrating is it sometimes when it's like they want this ultimate, you know, fantasy of part bikini model, part badass <laughs> fighter, part businesswoman, part like, you know, actress. And it's like, look, you don't ask any, any other guys to do that. You're asking us to do almost everything here and, you know, still not, you know, offend somebody. Yeah. Um, there's a double standard. I remember when uh, I was first uh, having conversations with people about going pro and talking to different managers. And um, they were talking about, you know, you have to wear bikinis when you go in for weigh-ins and you have to talk like this. You have to do your hair like this. You're going to have to do like a parsley new photo shoot. I was like, well, that's not me. Well, you know, promoters want to see this or promoters want to see, you know, this type of female that they can promote. And I was like, what about the fighter? Um, so I've been fortunate enough to have really good promote promoters like Salita and, and Marshall are, are good men and they're about the boxer. So um, I think you just have to find a, a team that supports you as uh, as an individual and, and, and allow you to present yourself who you are. Like, I generally don't talk that much in general. So um, when it's time to fight, I'm not going to talk, you know, aggressively to you. I'm going to punch you in the face. So we already have that put on the book. So there's nothing for me really to say until, you know, I, I use my fist to talk. So I don't really talk that much. So that's something they don't have to worry about. But I'm not wearing a bikini and I'm definitely not doing a photo shoot and, and like we're not wearing any clothes. That's crazy. It's not an OnlyFans page. I'm a boxer. No, and I get that part. But you also know that. And it's funny, you know, we've had these arguments where people say, oh, Mia St. John, you know, ruined the sport. And she was people, you know, her career defenders will say, look, this is what if this it is if this if this is what it is it's entertainment this is professional sports entertainment people like to be yeah. entertained people like you know beautiful women people like good looking guys how many ugly you know fighters do you see in the males in the male basically uh, division who get on pay per views probably not much right. a whole different story very different day so how tough is it when you want to do everything you want to basically be a fighter at the same time. You want to make money. You don't want to basically be on fight for peanuts. So how do you sort of balance that where you can – I'm trying to find the right word. Find that happy medium where, yes, okay, I'll look I'll look good. Maybe a, maybe a suit. Maybe something that, you know, brings up my, you know, looks. But at the same time, you're like, I want to be a fighter. How do you balance that? And how tough is that when – this still is a sport where you need to get sponsors and sometimes sponsors want a whole different thing. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, everybody's uh, idea of what a female boxer looks like is, is all 
it's, it's a mixed bag, but they are looking for like that Mia St. John's, but she doesn't win. So they want that, but they want a winner. So um, I think Alicia Baumgartner comes very close to giving like that, uh, the look of a supermodel because she is a model and um, a quality fighter. Same thing with Michaela, like she is a very good look, but that's not my look. Um, I'm six feet tall, very broad shoulders. I'm lean, I'm tall, but I'm not wearing a bikini. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> you talked about the t- trash talk. And that's something I definitely wanted to t- touch upon because you can't go anywhere in boxing, MMA, combat sports without hearing words of Ronda Rousey. Yeah. And she made you know, her bones by one, breaking people's arms. And two, she talked trash. Mm-hmm. And how tough is that, though, when, as you said, one, that's not your thing. Two, you're going to work with a lot of these ladies here. You probably will do a sparring session down the line with a Princess Harrison or maybe with Maka Harrison. It's like, look, I can't just, you know, crap on them here, you know, basically call them, you know, a hoe or, you know, do nothing bitch because, yeah, I got to spar with them, you know, in a couple of weeks and they might just not show up. So how tough is that, especially women's boxing, where it's such a close circle? Mm-hmm. That you, you offend people. It's like, oh crap! There go sparring partners. There go people I need to work with or train with because, um, yeah, they just don't want to really deal with me because I'm an asshole. Well, I mean, uh, typically I, I don't spar with females. I haven't. Uh, the only time I ever get in the ring with a, a female is usually um, fight day. But um, I just don't talk trash for the sake of just just who I am. I have nothing to say. Like. That's just who I am. I know there are a lot of other females who use female sparring, but I never use female sparring. Do you ever get envious of women's mixed martial arts just because of what they have? And when I say what they have, they have the five-minute rounds. Mm-hmm. They can make a lot of money. And that's thanks to, you know, Barousi's, Gina Carano's, um, you can even save a Holly Holmes who were paved the way. And it gets basically, you know, it's there's become this atmosphere where you don't have to be a glamour girl. Like, you know, Amanda Nunez is, is probably the most popular female fighter right now around the world. She wears mm-hmm. business suits. She doesn't look yep. good. She doesn't try to wear a bikini. She just goes, This is who I am. People fall in love with it. Granted, she knocks people out like there's no business. But do you ever get <laughs> envious that in women's MMA, it's they're treated much better than female fighters still. It's like they don't have to do stupid, you know, pet tricks at times. They don't have to worry about, oh, yeah, we're only fighting two minute rounds. They're, they're looked at upon fans as, hey, they're fighters and not, oh, yeah, they're female boxers or female fighters. Well, I, I mean, yeah, of course. I, I love, um, oh, I'm, I'm here to be honest with you. I'm entertaining the idea. I would like to fight. Me and Gabby Garcia have talked about having um, a match uh, next year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've, I've trained jujitsu. I like MMA and I, I have no problems crossing over. Um, but yeah, of course, the way that the sport is looked at and the equality in MMA and even the payout, like they get paid. There are multimillionaire uh, MMA fighters um you don't see that in women's boxing it's just something that just hasn't crossed over for some reason the um 
there's a lot of pushback on paying women fighters or female fighters in general in boxing, but not in MMA. So yeah, of course I'm envious in the way that they're treated, but also in the way that they're paid. Last question for let you go. And as you said, you're going to be hopefully fighting in January, but working on about details and everything. Uh, how much have you had to sacrifice just to get to this part? Because as we talked about briefly on the show, what was you here? You've competed in the amateur level. You've been doing this for a long time. You now do, you know, you're now a professional with three and zero with one knockout. And everybody thinks, oh, it's easy. I can box. I, I, hey, I played high school football. Hey, I ran track. Hey, I did basketball here today. And they go, they put on the gloves, and they start throwing punches. They think, oh, it's easy here. Fighters know exactly what I'm talking about. Like this is not, you know, for the faint of heart. You know, you don't play boxing. It is boxing. So. What have you had to give up along the way just to get to this part of, you know, in your journey? Like, what are some of the things you've had to sacrifice that most people just would look and go, oh, my God, that's a lot of stuff they had to sacrifice? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that you sacrifice. I mean, when I was at Team USA, on Team USA, it's like financially, it's just consistent burden. You don't make any money. Um, and I'm an adult, so I live on my own. I pay my own bills. So financially, you have to pretty much budget out your whole year. In addition to all the international travel, the layovers, you're tired, you train three times a day, then you fight, you know, you leave home, you leave, you leave home, go to Colorado, you're in training camp for a couple of weeks there, then you go to acclimation camp in Germany for a couple of weeks. And then finally, you head to your destination where the tournament is going to be held for like another two weeks. So, and that happens several times out of the year. Um, and forget trying to have a social life because when you come home, you rest and then you turn back around and you got to get ready for camp. So you have to start training again. Um, and as a pro, it's a lot of scheduling if you because every box that I know just about has a job. So around your job and, and your, your work schedule, you have to find a job that or a position that allows you to be flexible. And you're going to pretty much use that money to buy equipment until you get sponsored, um, pay for sparring. You have I mean, there's a, I mean, you have a full staff of people that you pay once. You get out of the ring, which I also think people don't take into account. Um, you're a business owner and, and you have people that you have to support. And that kind of depends on your performance in and out the ring. So um, there's tons of sacrifices. All you do is sacrifice and you have to be willing to sacrifice more if you want to be great. So I don't know. I hope I will answer the question. You did it. You did it with a, with with a five stars, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are. It's been an honor and pleasure having on the show. We give you it is the United States top heavyweight professional box in the world. I give you Daniel Perkins. Uh, Daniel, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website, and where can fans hit you up at? Well, uh, you can hit me up on Instagram at Chambers one one two two one. Um, I always forget my Twitter handle. I always get uh, Twitter messages. I'm pretty sure it's like Daniel Perkins or something like that, but don't send anything there. Uh, my Facebook is Danielle Chambers. Uh, there's a lot of confusion around that, but that's my Facebook page. Um, yeah, Instagram is the best. Hit me up there. Um, be happy to talk to you. I always respond to people, sign autographs and send fans um, memorabilia. So I'm here for the people. 
Danielle Perkins, ladies and gentlemen, once again, always on our pleasure having on the show. We come back. Stay tuned for more great action coming up right here. Once again, only on It's Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Last Call YouTube channel. Again, ladies and gentlemen, only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And, well, we it was uh, we took Thanksgiving off. We wanted to recharge the batteries. Well, we got a lot to talk about here. Fallout from Crawford Porter. We've got uh, Fulton versus Figueroa. We're going to talk about that. But, well, this man here is going to be fighting once again in the United States. He'll be the big uh, PBC on Fox pay-per-view card. It's Ortiz versus Martin. It's going to be... This man against Iago Kiladze. And well, he hopes to make his record uh, 9-0, start with New Year off and a bang once again. I give you all the way from the Ukraine himself, I give you it is Victor Vikrist, otherwise known as Victor Faust. Uh, Victor, I'll start off here with, uh, you're fighting on, on New Year's Day. Most fighters are like either training or they're just relaxing. It's like, okay, we'll get some relaxation before our fight starts. Why New Year's Day? What made you agree to fight, you know, the day after New Year's Eve and go, okay, well, I guess I can't get drink, you know, drink too much, stay up late and party like it's 1999? Victor, выбрала би такую дату. Почему? Ну, это же не я выбрал, это так, так организовали промоутеры, так решили. Мне моя задача боксировать, я хочу боксировать, я буду делать свою задачу, поэтому мне не важно, когда боксировать. Праздники это уже такое второстепенно. Главная своя задача, которая стоит перед нами. Well, I didn't choose that day, guys. The day was picked for me. But the bottom line is that it doesn't matter if it's New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, Christmas. Uh, my goal here is to compete, fight hard, and that's exactly what we've been doing. And that's exactly what we're going to do again. You're fighting, you said, January 1st, uh, Iago Kiladze. He's been in there with almost, he's only, when you look at his record, it's, it's a deceiving record. Yes, he's 27-5-1. He's lost four out of his last six fights. He only loses to good fighters, though. Joe Joyce, Michael Hunter, Adam Kowakny, F.A. Ajaba. And against Ajaba, he, you know, he dropped Ajaba. He rocked him a lot. How much of for you is this a step up? Where you're fighting a guy who, he has enough power to hurt you. He's been in there with some of, you know, the top rising stars in, in, 
in the heavyweight division. And if you sleep on him, he's a guy who can basically ruin your career. Виктор, твій опонент зараз, да? В нього рекорд 27-5, але в нього такий рекорд трошки обманчивий. Тобто він програвав тільки дуже-дуже сильним опонентам. Це для тебе, можна так сказати, великий степ вверх, великий крок вперед. І в тебе багато ризику досить. Тобто, які в тебе думки, яке в тебе самопочуття? Іти в цей бій, знаючи, що це досить сильний опонент, і що ти взагалі про це думаєш? Ну, для початку самочуття в мене відлично. Готовлюсь до цього поєдинку, як всім предыдущим. Відповідно, зі здравою головою. Все роблю тільки здраво. Опонент хороший, і я благодарен своєму промоутеру, що вибирають мені хороших опонентів. Посмотрим, на что он способен. Посмотрим, что я покажу в бою. Посмотрим. Все будет отлично, все зависит от нас. Я готов к этому бою. So the bottom line is, you know, regardless of the opponent in front of us, we always have the same strategy, the same game plan. Uh, we always give it 110%. And that's exactly what we have here, right? I'm thankful for the opportunity. You, as you said, this is a step up, but I'm up for the challenge. Uh, you know, when it comes to fight day, When it comes to fight night, we'll see what the opponent in front of me came prepared with. We'll see what I came prepared with. And, uh, you know, we'll let the, the public decide, right? I'm uh, going in 110%. And that's that. How much easier will this fight be for you in terms of the travel? I mean, the last time we saw you, you were fighting on the undercard of Fury Wilder 3. And it's not a fun. It's not fun traveling, you know, when you're flying overseas. You're stuck in it in an airplane. Airplanes are we're not made for big people, you know. You have to fly all the way over to the United States. There's a time zone, you know, difference. You're, you're trying to get used to sleep. I'm guessing the first time there was some, you know, hinks you had to work out. How much easier is it the second time around that you're now used? To, okay, well, I got to get used to this for a time zone difference. I got to get used to this for. You know, being awake, going to sleep. How much easier has this camp been now that you had that first camp where you had to get used to traveling, you know, across the pond? Наскільки легше для тебе цей підготовчий табір, ніж попередній? Тобто це вже другий раз, що ти в Америці, вже трошки аклімізувався з різницею в часі, з кліматом і так далі. Тобто, ну, само собою, що перший раз було дуже тяжко із-за того, що така кардинальна зміна. Як підготовка йде до другого бою? Ну, у мене всі підготовки йдуть правильно і з підбором. В общем, всю тренування підбирає мені тренер мій, Бюлент Башер. І... Я, я не знаю, что, что, как ответить правильно, потому что ну, как бы, это я сейчас буду второй раз там боксировать. Я просто не думаю об акклиматизации, о каких-то там психологических каких-то неурядицах. Я просто настраиваюсь на бой, я верю в себя, я верю в свою победу, я верю в свою команду, и все. Я иду туда за победой, все. Ну, как бы, акклиматизация и все остальное как бы, не имеет значения. You know, changing time zones, changing climate, stuff like that. Um... That stuff doesn't really matter to me. 
the, my coach has done a great job, uh, you know, getting me the right workout routines and building out a great schedule for me. Uh, so to be honest with you, I don't even feel it. Uh, you know, mentally I'm there, physically I'm there, and I'm, my team and I are working hard every day, and all we're doing is getting getting ready for the big day. We're going to go back to this fight in a bit. Take me back to the last fight. And before we go to the fight, take me back to just the event itself. It was Fury Wilder 3. You were there. You were on the undercard. You had – it was basically a lot of big fighters on that card. You had a lot of heavyweights on that card also. What was that like for you, just having that experience of being in Vegas at that time, you know, fighting on a major card, you know, for you, how fun was it just, you know, getting to be on someplace where there were tons of fans, tons of cameras, lots of people there, and it's just fun. You know, you feel like you're part of something big. Давай повернемося до того останнього бою, Віктор. Такий великий, грандіозний бій був між мейн-евентом. Дуже багато так само було... серйозних е, спортсменів, е, незважаючи на мейн-евент. Які взагалі тебе було почуття бути в Вегасі, бути, мати честь бути на такому андеркарті? Е, скажи свої думки про ну, останню поїздку в Вегас і взагалі, як тобі загалом все сподобалось чи щось не сподобалось? Своє враження про останній, останній поєдинок, який був взагалі не, не масне, не твій, а взагалі про сам, про сам евент. Ну, для мене, в першу чергу, це була велика честь виступати на такому рингі з такими легендарними боксерами. І, ну, я отримав безумне удовольствие, огромну ейфорію поймав. Коли боксував, я не думав ні о чому, крім як о бою, о настрої бою. Мені не було важливо, во час бою, мені не було важливо, де я боксирую. Хоч будь-то вдома, будь-то в підвалі, або ще десь. Мені найголовніше мой соперник и результат. А от, от, в целом, от всего, то, что происходило, конечно, у меня до сих пор огромная эйфория, и э, ну, я в хороших ощущениях нахожусь до сих пор, и надеюсь, что и дальше будем боксировать на таких же вечерах. Все будет классно. Супер. We're in Las Vegas in front of huge crowds or if we're somewhere, you know, in a boxing gym in Ukraine, right? To me, it's all the same thing. I was going with the main, with the same mindset. Now, the actual event, obviously, it was a great honor for me uh, to be able to, you know, perform on the same stage as all these other great athletes and great, you know, legendary fighters that were there that night. And uh, the whole, after the fight, you know, the whole, experience the whole show everything was amazing everything was uh top level and you know i still i'm still very ecstatic about it even to this day you know it's been uh, some some time now right and just going forward i'm looking forward to competing on um, the same uh the same cards again and hopefully one day getting to the main event as well third round knockout of mike marshall guy who's coming in there six one and one and I get it, you know, you probably have fought guys better than him in the amateurs. You spar with guys probably better than him in the gyms. How big was it for you and how important was it for your team that you got rid of him quickly, that you weren't screwing around, that you weren't, you know, letting him get you into deep water? 
that, you know, it was like, okay, first round, we figured out where he is. Second round, we dropped him. Third round, we finished him. How big was it to just take care of business, you know, at, you know, not, you know, let things sort of get off track? Третє нокаут в третьому раунді з твоїм опонентом. Наскільки це було важливо для твоєї команди? Тобто, як ми розуміємо, спочатку перший раунд твоєго почула, другий раунд нокдаун, третій раунд нокаут. Тобто, ми само собі розуміємо, що може в тебе були ліпші опоненти, коли ти був аматором, може в тебе були ліпші опоненти навіть спарінгу. Наскільки важливо для вашої команди був результат? Власне, що чим швидше закінчити роботу. На самом деле, я даже больше скажу, меня и промоутер, и тренер настраивали на всю дистанцию, чтобы я боксировал. А то, что так получилось, как бы это я еще раз скажу, что мы боксируем так, как нам позволяет соперник. И он, как говорится, припустил ошибок, и я воспользовался его ошибками и завершил досрочно поединок. Хотя настраивали перед боем меня и промоутер, мой и тренер не форсировать события и боксировать, делать ту задачу, что я умею, показывать красивый бокс. Ну, а получилось так. The game plan that we always have with my team and I, with my promoter, with my training staff, is always the same. Going into every fight, knowing that we have to go the distance and give it always 110%. However, obviously, as we can tell with uh, what has happened, you know, mistakes were made on the opponent's side. And we obviously capitalized on those opportunities and the outcome speaks for itself. But we're always, always ready to always go the distance. And that is always our game plan. We never expect, you know, an easy, an easy W. We always uh, strive to go the extra mile, given 110%. And, uh, but, you know, if an opportunity presents itself, if uh, there are mistakes being made, then we'll definitely capitalize on those opportunities and execute to the fullest. How much more pressure is there that you put on yourself? Because you're in a special place here. There's this, and I know we can't get into too much detail, but there is a partnership with your promoter now, Heyman, where you're now fighting on, you know, the U.S. cards. You're fighting on a pay-per-view you're, before your even 10th fight. There's talk about if this goes well, they might put you on more cards here. And, you know, I'm guessing you want to score knockouts. You go score knockouts. You get, you know, put up happier in the cards. You get better opponents down the line. How much pressure do you put on yourself every fight to not just win, but I want to win convincingly. I want to, you know, I want to have a highlight win. I want to show people that I'm, I'm, I want, I'm ready for a world title by my 15th or 16th pro fight. Now, you see, with every fight, you have more and more pressure опоненти все ліпше стають, самі бої, де вони знаходяться, які далі поїдинки йдуть, стають цікавіше, цікавіше. І чи це на тебе якось цей тиск екстра, який зараз є, чи це на тебе якось впливає? І йде тенденція, що, припустимо, там, до твого 15-го бою вже можна буде теоретично, щоб ти йшов на якийсь титульний бій. Чи цей тиск, який зараз тобі додається з кожним поєдинком, що він якось на тебе впливає? На самом деле, это давление, которое идет впереди меня, оно меня еще больше мотивирует. И у нас план и задача такая, чтобы, дай Бог, в 15-16 бою уже боксировать за титул чемпиона мира. В одной из главных версий. 
Поэтому ну, я только чувствую прилив сил, энергии и заряжаю все больше и больше. Это меня только мотивирует и заряжает двигаться дальше. You're absolutely right. The pressure is definitely mounting with every fight. Um, but that is exactly what drives me, what motivates me, what uh, allows me to you know, get up every morning and train harder than I did the night before. It's the pressure that, that's constantly there. And that is exactly the game plan that we have with my camp is that, you know, by, by the time that, you know, I get to my 14th, 15th, 16th fight, it better be a championship fight because that's exactly what I came here for. One of the major categories, it better be a, because that's exactly the game plan that we have with my team and I. It all comes back down to, once again, January 1st, 2022. It's going to be the big pay-per-view card. It's uh, Charles Martin versus Luis Ortiz. You have Victor, Vigrest on the card against Diago Kiladze. And, As we as we said before, it's a heavyweight fight. These are big boys. They hit hard, and it all takes one shot, and that ruins everything. Uh, Kiladze's done that before. He nearly upset the apple cart and beat up a uh, a guy by the name of Efe Ajaba with one punch. He's he is that talented enough. How big is it for this fight, as you said, to just focus on the task at hand? Because I'm guessing you're thinking, well, if I win this fight, then it's done. Then a couple more fights, I'll be taking on Michael Hunter. Or I'll be taking on Adam Kowalki. It'll be big fights, six figures. And that's how it gets you get into trouble. So how big is it for the January 1st fight that you just focus on, all right, it's Yago Kilazi, it's first 30 seconds, first minute, first two minutes, and just focus on him and him alone. Uh, so, <clears throat> І незважаючи на це все, наскільки важливо конкретно для тебе цей бій. Тобто ти розумієш, що якщо коли ти виграєш цей бій, що вже наступні бої будуть там, і, там мінімум 100 тисяч плюс, вже буде набагато більше в тебе можливостей і, і так далі. Тобто наскільки важливо конкретно для тебе цей опонент сьогодні, який перед тобою? Для мене кожен бій, ще раз повторюсь, для мене кожен бій важливий. І я не виділяю. Тот важен или иной важен. Для меня каждый бой важен, и каждому поединку я готовлюсь соответственно и подхожу конкретно хорошо готовым и выхожу только за победой. I look at every single fight individually and I prepare it to the fullest. So to me, like I also mentioned in my previous comment, right, regardless of fighting in you know, a boxing gym somewhere in a basement or if you're fighting you know, an MGM or whatever we may be, right? The bottom line is that I always give it my fullest. I always give it 110 and I capitalize on every single opportunity that I have and I take full advantage of all the opportunities that I've been given. And uh, we're going to treat this like we have treated all other fights before. We're going to give it our best. And uh, you guys will definitely see a positive outcome on January 1st. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we're proud to have on the show. I give you one of the rising heavyweight prospects in this, in this sport. And he'll be making his uh, 
Return to America, January 1st. I give you its Victor Victorstein. Once again, I apologize. Victor Faust, we know him in America. Unfortunately, our pronunciation is terrible. Uh, Victor, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? at uh, where is the Twitter page, the Instagram page, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Victor, for the time we will begin the interview, tell us, please, where can you find fans? Facebook, Instagram, website. Please, please, tell us this information. Ну, я есть на самом деле и в Инстаграме, и в Фейсбуке, Твиттер, если честно, не веду, у меня нету в Твиттере. А так, в принципе, Фейсбук, Инстаграм есть. А какой тебе Инстаграм? Виктор Фауст Выхрест. As well as I have a Facebook account, but my friend, my friends, family, and all my fans, uh, all the new ones can certainly find me on Instagram. Uh, if you could perhaps, you know, leave a description somewhere there. It's Victor underscore Faust, and uh, let the algorithm do the rest. And I'm sure that you guys will be able to find me. Victor Faust, ladies and gentlemen, once again, he'll be fighting January 1st, only on pay-per-view. Fox pay-per-view with Ortiz Martin. Check your time with local listeners for details. When we come back, we got a lot more going on, including we're going to recap what the hell happened with Porter Crawford numbers, Fulton versus Figueroa, and what to expect going forward here in January. All this and more only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Back once again, only on Last Call. Last Call with the Alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And once again, I want to thank my wonderful guests we had. First off, heavyweight sensation, Danielle Perkins, the top American heavyweight in the world. And well, looking forward to seeing her fight in January. Hopefully everything clears up because this is somebody who definitely needs that big fight. Because she's done everything in the amateur. She's done everything in her young pro career. She needs the next step up. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Plus, we had, once again, Victor Faust will be fighting only on pay-per-view. It'll be January 1st, the PBC on Fox pay-per-view with Ortiz versus Martin. He'll be taking on Iago Kiladze in a heavyweight scrap. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing him in his, hopefully, American tour soon, coming to a stadium or a casino near you. And, well, we had, it, we had basically, I would say, probably the best weekend of boxing fights you could ask for you had triple header on showtime with santiago versus gary antonio russell you had fulton versus figueroa you had 
Ray Risali versus Jorge Baez. And when you had on the zone, Kenichi Ogawa versus Kenzie Azuni. And then Kim, we're going to talk about this fight here. It's uh, George Cambosis, your new champion, knocking out Teofimo Lopez. And it's. I'm trying to put a word in the words here. It's, it's, I, I like, first off, I like Teofimo a lot. I think he's a special fighter. I still think that of his fight. But last night showed you that Teo has a lot to fix in terms of the the, the mental aspect of boxing. And you look, you go back to that fight, and George can you know Gambosis, George you know Gambosis, Gambosis fought the perfect fight. Came out strong, used a jab, used a lot of counter punches. He understood what what Teo thought of him. That Teo had no respect for him. That he was going to try to knock him out early. That he didn't want to, you know, get into a boxing match. He just wanted to knock the guy out. And he and the first round tells it everything. I mean, you look at that knock at that knockdown by Cambosis, and it's a thing of beauty. It's Teo getting very wild, and Cambosis just waits. He, you know, he's using his jab. He's moving around a lot. He's not letting Teo just line up and tee off on him. And all of a sudden, boom, right on the chin, and down goes Teo. And that changed the fight right there and then. And throughout the fight, you kept wondering, okay, when is Teo going to make changes? When is he going to you know, adapt? When it's It's a bit scary here, in a sense. Because you looked at the two corners, and I would say this here. Uh, George Cambosis Jr., he had a professional corner with him. You know, his trainer, his cut man, they were giving him the instructions. They were, you know, telling him, hey, look, this is going to be a close fight. Hey, we need to do this. Hey, you need to, you know, keep moving, you keep moving, keep moving. Teofimo Lopez Sr. just, it was, I mean, it was bad. And this is sometimes why, you know, fathers should not corner their sons, you know. Some of them don't know what they're doing. They just don't. They're either too emotional. They, you know, don't have a boxing acumen. They they don't get, you know, how to separate son from fighter. And that was Teofimo Lopez Sr. He's telling his son, hey, you know, why are you knocking him out? You know, yeah, you, you know, you have this here. You know, go, you know, go, you know, go for the kill. It's like you ever you sit there and you go, "Wow, you have no clue what's going on. You literally have no idea what's going on here." And throughout the fight, that was the story. It was just Cambosis. You know, even when he got dropped in the tenth round, you go back to the, the last 30, 40 seconds. He's he's landing more shots against Tao, and even the eleventh and twelfth round, you know, was. His corner is saying, hey, you still have us. This fight is still up for grabs. We need you to win these two rounds. You know, we need you to move here. You know, keep busy, keep busy. You know, they're, ex- they're explaining what to do. And it's going to be interesting to see where all parties go from here. Uh, Cambosis Jr., he, he's a free agent promotionally, so he can go any place he wants. And you look at, you know, he wants Devin Haney next. That's a possible fight. He, you know. 
You know, it depends on what Tank Davis does. Hey, man, that's a fight right there. Uh, Ryan Garcia. There are fights to be made for Cambosis Jr. And hey, he could probably even say, I want to fight in Australia. And he can make that happen out because he is a champion. With Teofimo, you almost wonder at this point if it's time for Bob Aram and Dave McWater, his trainer, you know, the, the manager of the year, one of the best people in this business, to sit down with Teo and explain to him, you need a new trainer. This isn't working. We understand his family. You need to have somebody in your corner who is an adult, who understands how to guide a fighter, who understands how to separate, you know, passion from analytical. And look, there's a lot of East Coast that he could go for. You have Bredman Edwards, who's done great work with uh, Chrome Davis and, of course, J.R. J. Rock Williams. You have. To me, well, you know, a trainer of the last two years, which has been Sugar Hill, that's the guy I think would be wonderful. You have Barry Hunter. You have Ismael Salas. You have, you know, you, there's a ton of trainers who he can go to who can help him figure out, okay, we'll be the adult here. We'll be the ones who can give you the information, who can teach you how to be, a you know, a, it's, I used a professional, but a business person in the ring because, you didn't see that from Teo. It was just a guy who was just out of control in that fight. And too often he's just, the, the, the bigger he, you know, the more he goes, goes up in weight, it's going to start costing him more fights because he'll be taking on bigger guys. He won't be just a big bad bull anymore. And I like him a lot. As I said, he's a special fighter, but this fight showed that he, there needs to be changes in the, tra in, in the camp. And, I think his father is the one who basically needs to go. And I get it. It's family. It's never easy. It's not, and they have a very close bond. But at this point, he needs a better trainer. You cross that vote with the fight between Fulton and Figueroa Jr. And once again, great fight by the PBC. It's, it's a little more different in terms of it's what you like in terms of boxing. Fulton, you know, landed more of a cleaner shots. Figueroa was more active and landed maybe more of a harder shots. Uh, either way, once again, that's a fight where you could, you know, it was a Medidora decision. You could probably argue for either guy. Well, what's going to happen with both men also is very interesting. Now, Fulton is a champion right now. Um, Figueroa alluded to the fact that, hey, I might probably move up in weight class. And I get it. It's a bitch-making 122. And he's a big kid. And like his brother Omar, you know, they both are guys who are growing quickly. And if he goes up in weight, he has options. I mean, right now, as, as we mentioned before, it's... At his weight class, he has, you know, the Fulton match. And, you know, you could do that. But it's... And, you know, at 24 years old, he's only getting bigger. And for, especially for him, for Omar Figueroa, if you go up in weight class, let's say you go up to featherweight, there are still options on the table. As we mentioned, there's uh, Ray Vargas, there's Kiko Martinez, the current champion. Both of those fights, you know, you can make in Texas, you can make in Mexico or in California. They are, they're, you know, 
they're made fights for Omar Figueroa if he wants to go up that route. Heck, if you want even, uh, you know, whatever happens to Emmanuel Navarrete, that's a fight, you know, the PBC gets involved in that can be easily made. There are fights for 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 Brandon if he wants to go up and not have to, you know, drain himself to make 122. Meanwhile, Stephen Fulton, you know, as you said, there's... Now's the time where we can start saying, well, where does he go next? And I know recently won his fight. He's He believes he's been every next in, in line, and you could argue, well, that's the case. Uh, you also have Murdon Akhamadalev, who's with the zone, but hey, you know, if there's enough money up, they will cross, you know, the networks. But that was a fight, I think, that where last night we saw two guys become, take it to the next level. Stephen Fulton, and especially George Cambosis Jr. And there were no bad refereeing, there was no controversy with judges, it was just, for one night, a great night of boxing. It's Sometimes if you're a boxing fan, that's all you can hope for, but we got to wrap this up. We're almost out of time. Uh, we Once again, we have more great action coming up this week, but once but for in the meantime, for Danielle Perkins, for Victor Faust, for myself, this is Chris Carr saying I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action coming up only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. As you are listening to its last call, last call to the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network.